Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Marnie Svedberg, and I welcome you to Marnie and Friends, a place where leaders share practical, helpful, and encouraging ways to get anything important done faster, better, and smarter. Right now, I encourage you to sit back, buckle up, and join us for fun, laughter, practical help, and clear thinking, the kind of discussion that focuses our attention off of the fluff and onto the most important stuff in life. Again, welcome to Marnie's Friends. Let's get going. This is Marnie Swedberg. Welcome back to another edition of Marnie's Friends. And today we're going to be talking about how to be a safe haven for other women. And you might be saying, well, what is that? What does that mean? But basically we're going to talk about the definition of authenticity in woman-to-woman relationships, the number one thing that holds women back from truly investing in other women, practical steps women can take to start and form deep friendships, how social media and technology have both helped and hindered intimate relationships, why it's harder for women of the younger generation to create meaningful connections with other women, the five patterns women need to internalize and practice in their relationships with other women, the importance of cross-generational relationships and the biggest hindrance in making them work, and ways to build time into your life to make relationships a priority. Our guest today is Pamela Harvey Lau. She is the author of A Friend in Me and also Soul Strength a graduate of Liberty University and Colorado State University, and she's taught writing at George Fox University and speaks around the country and at conferences and retreats all over the place. She lives in Portland, Oregon, and she's joining us here today to talk about how to be a safe haven for other women. Welcome to you, Pamela. Hi. Thank you, Marnie, so much for having me today. Well, and it's great to have you, and this is such a wonderful topic because life is busy, and, um, you know, it can just kind of get washed away in the busyness of life that we need each other really badly. Yes, we really do. And, you know, in some ways, don't you think even the topic of busyness is over-talked about, right? You know, what's there's, what's new to say about our busy lives, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? Like everybody's got their own version of it. And <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. so true. So let's go ahead and just dive right in here and talk about um, – you know, you talked about the authenticity in women-to-women relationships. So, mm. like, uh, why, you know, why is that the number one point? Well, I would say all of us long for that, and I think even our culture, whether, you know, a religious culture or not, we we can see by looking at media that we long for people to let their guard down, to unzip, you know, to be real. And for some reason, the increase of our technology and our social media and even our fast-paced culture has increased that need for, I want something real. So Mm -hmm. it's not as if the longing is new, but I think the intensity of it is new. And probably it's harder to get today. That's that's really what I think. It's really easy to... It's more easy to hide behind, and mm-hmm. we're going to talk about this later in the hour, too. It's more easy to hide behind all the picture-perfect um, shots yeah. that are up on Facebook. You know, and I mean, there's even, you know, there's even uh, reports now out of, of research that's done that says, you know, people feel, they feel dissatisfied with their life more because all they see on Facebook or whatever is the picture-perfect family. That's and exactly that, right. And mm-hmm. also, yeah. you're right. And <laughs> research also shows that for some reason it... It creates more jealousy, 
and that that really impacts you and I um, being our most authentic selves with that person <laughs> if we're when we're like live with them, you know. <laughs> Okay, so it kind of affects both ways then, doesn't it? It affects Absolutely. Because we want to be the person people want us to be. And we mm. also want them to be the person that we thought they were. Mhm. Mhm. Mm. And then, you know, you're kind of stuck. So am I I bring this up in the um about 3 quarters of the way through the book. It's, you know, we don't want to just live and um to an image that we have of ourselves or others. We really want to be, you know, the self God created. Yeah. The feeling, thinking person. People have communicated to me sometimes that, um, maybe not in so many words, but that I wasn't quite what they expected because they had (laughs) made a, you know, they made a decision about Mm. what I would be like based on either a book they read or whatever, and of course I am like that, but I'm also more than that, you know? You can't... Well, aren't we all? Right. You can't ever fully disclose yourself in one, you know, setting, or even, you know, my husband and I, we've been married over 30 years, and we continue to change. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, and that's a good point. I mean, that's actually a a really good point to bring up, that there are many sides of ourselves. We're not just one, and that's okay. (laughs) That's what makes it interesting. Exactly. It's it's really beautiful, but it does make it more difficult to feel like you're being authentic or to be authentic mm-hmm. with people because they have a preconceived idea or you do about That's you yourself right. and them. Yeah, so what is like the definition of authenticity? Well, there's a lot of great writers out there who've given, you know, amazing, clever uh, definitions to it. What I would say in, in terms of when it relates to the to the book and to what I'm what I see is my call right now is that all, being authentic is being your real self in a real relationship in real time. <laughs> Those are good. You, good. Do you know what I mean by real time? Yeah. Yeah. It's like right here and right now. This isn't something that happened 20 years ago, or this isn't right. because of you know I'm still holding something against you. This is right here and now. And and as I um, really talked thoroughly with the younger women in my uh, whether I was teaching them or in my interviews and through research or just even my own daughters, they tell me that 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 somebody being real in real time with them. That's what really deeply touches them. That's what gives them what they would call something motivation to to like listen differently or to want to know about God more. It's that and we that all, yeah. yeah. And we all know what that doesn't feel like. It doesn't feel like mm. you're talking with somebody but they're looking past you to see who's coming in the door. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, or they're thinking about something else. And so when you take a pause and take a breath, they're off to a different topic, even though you were really hoping to stay on this one for a little longer. You know, mm-hmm. what I mean, we know what it doesn't feel like. And I think there's a, probably several listeners who are like, I wonder if anybody could ever really be that way with me. Hmm. Uh, and I know, would like to really say, authentic. yeah, that's a longing. Pay attention to that. It is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it is so important. The authenticity, I, we had um, a couple of years ago, we had a couple of pastor's wives who had written a book. And it, it's like pastor's wives are one of the people, you know, groups of people that are set on a high pedestal. 
And yeah, people that's true. To be really perfect, and the reality is, they are so not perfect. They're just like the rest of us. <laughs> that's just right. Walking through life, making mistakes, doing things wrong, looking to Jesus to cover all. You know, to cover it all. You know, and um, and they were talking about the one was talking about how she walked down on her back porch and she had, uh, um, you know, she would talk to her neighbor and then she'd go in. You know, they just were neighbors, and then. At one point down the road, several years later, her neighbor came to Christ. And mm-hmm. when the wife had said, you know, what was it that really, really helped you to come to Christ? And she goes, well, it was you yelling at your kids. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, that just so took her by surprise. Because yeah. she was like, oh, it couldn't be that. It couldn't be our weakness. But actually, she Ooh. said, I just thought you must be perfect as a pastor's wife. And so seeing that you were just human and that you would yell at your kids. Uh, yeah, that's think, a great well, maybe story. God, you know, maybe God could could tolerate me too, you know. And it's so true that we really try to make it all look so perfect and put together because we think that's what that's what sells God. But honestly, it's God who sells God, and it's just us who love him. <laughs> well, and isn't, that's really a good – I think that's a great point because one of the things that we – I think we've – gotten a little off the beaten the right track with mentoring is we think we need to live this incredible example which we do need to watch the way we live that's right. scriptural right mm-hmm. however what what we're finding and what we're, we all know is that like what you just said being your whole self and living your whole life in front of someone is speaks far more than always doing everything right or perfect absolutely Absolutely. You know, and it so that's so what really important. authenticity, when I think about my most authentic relationships, they are with, you know, obviously, you know, my husband, but also with other women who are really humble people who right. who are willing to kind of go to the depths of even praying for me during the, the hard things or even just on a regular daily life level. You know, when we when we really want to minister to somebody – and we start interceding for them, we start praying for them, um, the Spirit shows us, okay, here's how I want you to pray for that person. Well, what's more authentic than that? Right. You know, we think it's always just bear my feelings, bear my soul, and that's part of it. But I think as Christians, we get the opportunity to go a lot deeper with that. And that's where the satisfaction comes in. And to be exposed, to be willing to be exposed. Like yes, be willing. Yes. People who love you with the Holy Spirit who loves you. Those are those are the times of real growth. That's that's great. I love that. Yeah. Let's go ahead and talk about the number one things that holds us back then from truly investing in other women. <laughs> well, that could we could spend a lot of t- investing in the in other women. Besides the fact that. Um, I do think we definitely are living superficial lives because we of the being overcommitted, and and there's some current research that even talks about that, that we are we are living so overcommitted more than you and I want to be, um, and so that keeps us. But I think, you know, if we are relation need, have relational needs, um, it's absolute, and we are committed to Christ. There's a spiritual battle going on. And the enemy wants us distanced. He wants our most intimate thoughts for himself. And he wants to kind of have this this tape playing in our mind. Well, you know, she really isn't 
someone who would want to be close to me, or she really wouldn't have time for me, or you know what, um, I don't like the way she's, whatever it might be, it's those tapes that we play, and that is absolute enemy language. That is not the spirit of God. So that's one level. But if I could identify a primary factor that holds women back from truly loving other women, I would say they don't feel safe. Mm-hmm. And and often what's happening, and even more and more in our um, evangelical culture, we we introduce agendas all the time into a relationship. We think everybody we meet um, is a connection to the next thing. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, well, and it does, but I've never thought of it before, but that, that's interesting. I suppose especially now with uh, social media, everything's a connection. Everything's a connection as opposed to that, conne- that mm. person, that relationship being the end. Wow. And that's we're really sens- we're so sensitive to things like that. I know I am. And mm. so when that's, what's, when that's at the heart of, you know, it's like what is our motivation? You know, because if, if I sense within the first 10 minutes that this person only wants to talk to me because I'm going to get them connected to so-and-so, you know, um, it's just going to be a different level of conversation. So I think, I think what holds us back is we need to be free. Let's be free. Let's be women who are, you know, what, Christ came to set us free. So if we could have no strings attached um, when we interact with each other, <laughs> you know, then I believe we we would just um, see exponential growth in our spiritual lives. Wow. That's ministry. Well, this is, yeah, this is Marnie Swedberg. We're visiting today with Pamela Lau of PamelaLau.com. That's L-A-U, PamelaLau.com. We're going to come right back and talk about practical steps women can take to start and form deep relationships and how social media and technology has both helped and hindered intimate friendships. We'll be right back. Christian Women's Events. At womensevents.info, you can find events to attend. Learn how to plan amazing events for your group or publicize your own upcoming Christian women's events. It's all available to you at womensevents.info. Just click your state to find all the major women's events coming to your area or type in the month and year you'd like to attend an event to see all your options nationwide. It's that easy. If you want to promote an event, just click Add Event. Event publicity is available on a per-event basis or free to members. Finally, if you want to learn how to host awesome events, retreats, and well-attended conferences, click Event Planner Training. Once again, it's available a la carte or included in the membership. It's all online and here for you 24-7 anytime you have time at womensevents.info. That's www.womensevents.info. Money troubles got you down? Visit www.godlywealth.com to discover the fastest way to financial peace. You'll gain perspective, biblical training, and clear direction to help you move from terrified to triumphant. It's all free and available to you online at www.godlywealth.com. Not only will you learn a balanced, godly perspective about money, but you'll also enjoy scripture set to music, a wealth roster worksheet, and much more, all free and online at www.godlywealth.com. That's www.godlywealth.com. Welcome back. This is Marnie and our 
Our guest today is Pamela Harvey Lau of PamelaLau.com. That's spelled L-A-U.com. And we're talking about how to be a safe haven for other women. Pamela, you have a new book out called A Friend in Me. So how did you decide to write that book? It was a process of many years. I was actually just had finished my first book called Soul Strength, and it was a Bible study. And so I just naturally assumed I was going to write a second Bible study and was um, digging into uh, the, one of the longest psalms of Scripture. And while I was doing that, the Lord just detoured me and began stirring in my heart and saying, I want you to pay attention to the women who the woman who you are, because I have some things I want to change, <laughs> and I want you to pay attention to the women you are closest to and who you're living life with and the women you're ministering and teaching. And I started seeing that something was amiss, but I couldn't really articulate it. I couldn't put my finger on it. So I just was. I spent a lot of time praying into the studying and the teaching of the psalm, and it, and I started to ask really specific questions. And very slowly, it was like a rock coming out of the ocean, I just saw um, that there was this, like a gap, a, a problem with women connecting with women who were in different generations, who were in different seasons of life, um, but they wanted to be connected. But the, because they weren't, there were other problems happening. And so that's mm-hmm. how the book started and and ended. <laughs> so... You guys can check that out. It's called A Friend in Me. Well, Pamela, let's talk about some practical steps women can take to start and form deep relationships. I would say that um, one of the first questions I I even ask, you know, even myself, you know, um, do I have, do I sense a need for deeper connection? And I'm, I'm someone who's always needed and wanted that. So I've paid attention to that and I've made provision for that. So if you're someone who's listening and you can answer that question with an honest yes, I, I know that I need and want deeper friendships. The first thing I would say is write down what that need is. Don't just let it be nebulous. Don't just let it be, I have a longing, I'm lonely. Everyone is. We all have that. That is a basic human um, p- part of our makeup. But what is the need you have? Do you need someone who you can run with? Do you have someone who you want to hang out with, with your children, and you're really feeling isolated um, with your young children, which is so prevalent, right? It doesn't matter uh, what if you're working or not. That's a very strong time of life to feel that. Maybe you want someone to study Scripture with. Maybe you need somebody just to talk about um, an issue that happened to you 20 years ago, but you really want to hear how another woman went through that. My point is, we need to name the need, write it down. And then I always, I always say pray and put that before the Lord and ask him, this is, this is my need. He says he will give us what we need and what we ask as we wait on him. Here's what I need. Would you please show me another woman, whether she's ahead of me in life or behind me in life, who can meet this need for me? And then initiate as, that, as you start seeing someone rise up. You, you will not believe, once we open our eyes, you know, and pray and name the need, you will not believe how God will answer that. And then, but we have to initiate. We can't just wait for it to fall into our lap. And you either send an email or call. I'll never forget when I had, I had just, was in my mid-30s, and I had, you know, three little girls, 
And I remember just really wanting to talk to another woman who is ahead of me in life about something very specific that I had experienced as a teenager. And I wrote that down. And I was, I'll never forget, I was sitting in a, in a woman's home in a baby shower. There were, must have been 30 women in the room. And somebody read something that another woman wrote as advice to this person. And my flag went, I'm like, oh, my goodness, what did she just say? And I asked the person next to me, I'm like, what did you just hear? And she said the exact thing that I knew that was the woman. Mm-hmm. Well, she wasn't even at the event. So I went home, I emailed her. And I said, I, I know we don't know each other real well, but would you mind meeting with me? And do you know, we did. We talked about exactly what I needed to. We don't meet all the time, but we are friends. But that's what I mean by, you know, initiating. She, we, we are, you know, I'm sure somehow our relationship gives to her in a certain way. It's not, we don't just stay on that one topic. But there's something about following through. And in this this culture where we're very specific about our needs for community, keep going till you get what you need. We, uh, well, sometimes we think, do you know what I mean by that? that. No yeah. kidding. Yeah, that's so important. I, I still remember meeting somebody when I was um, younger. Not that I haven't sensed, but this specific instance. And um, I was in a group and they just said, you know, just pray about it and then just go ask the person God puts on your heart. And I'm sure that God will, you know, make it possible for you guys to work it out. Well, I prayed about it and I went to that lady and she prayed about it and she said, no, I can't. I just can't. I, I want, it's not hmm. that I don't want to marry. I just can't. And I remember being just devastated. Hmm. <laughs> that young woman, that this older woman couldn't t- find time for me. Hmm. But you know, since then I've actually been in that position myself where someone has wanted time that did not exist in my world. Time that God hmm. did not make open for me to share with them. And what what we need to hear, which what you just said, is just don't give up at that moment. It's okay. No is a fine answer. It maybe is a wait answer. It maybe try a different door answer. But don't give up. Just try another time. Just because one friendship doesn't work out, don't give up. Um, Yeah, that's such an encouraging word. It's so missing. I think the persistence is missing. If it doesn't come through right away, you want to just give in. Give up. Right. That's such that's such a good reminder too for all of us in everything because um we don't want to put all of our expectations on one person anyway. Right. That's really not that's good. not even realistic, <laughs> you know. Exactly. Yeah, so true. So true. Are are there any other steps and so I love it. Ask, you know, ask do I need a deeper connection? Name it. What is it that you need? Not just a random connection, but what kind are you hoping for? Then ask God about it and then you know, Well, I think when you finally get together, you know, you really do need to be someone who asks good questions. And I think that's even whether you're the person who's been sought out or you're the person who's seeking out. You really need to develop the skill to ask good questions. People love questions. Have you ever seen someone not want you to ask them questions? <laughs> yes, that's if it's about what they love and are interested in. Right, and and to learn to and to listen again for both either the you know the one who's initiating or the one who's being sought. Really listen. You know, not just. Be thinking, oh, how am I going to respond? What am I going to say? But just really be quiet in your soul. Sit for a minute and listen to what the person's saying and asking of you. Um, and I, I think what amazes me is when I see, when I watch women go through this process, they start forming the kind of friendships 
where it takes away the need for I'm not, I think we need mental health counselors absolutely we need professional help um for certain things or maybe you know just to get through a rough patch but what a really strong friendship can do is it can help you you know kind of take that nip out of the daily of problems or things that might seem insurmountable when they're not and that's why that that asking good questions and listening it, it can change a person's day around. It can turn a person's year around. It could save a marriage. It could, and it's really a gift. It's a gift that you have for each other in the relationship. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that. And I think that that listening, that being still and listening, I think that social media has really, yeah. Um, Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, our attention mm-hmm. span is now 120 characters, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's so true. It's really, you know, it's really, it isn't, it isn't that way. When, when you get together with someone and have a deep, loving conversation, you can talk actually for hours. Hmm. And it isn't true that you can say everything in 120 characters or that you are going to run out of things to say if you get together with somebody. There's more to you than that. There's more to the other person than that. Uh, mm-hmm. Talk about social media. How is this? How has this really changed intimate relationships? Well, I want to say on the one hand, two ways. On the one hand, I don't think social media is totally our enemy, right? I mean, I, I, what's that? Not at all. I love it. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I use it to, I have a brother who lives in Israel, so I, you know, we try to Skype right. when we can. So, and, and I love seeing what he's doing day to day through Facebook, and my nieces and nephews live all over the country. So, social media can be an amazing tool to just know what's going on with someone and to see their face. So, that's a great thing. So it seems like it's keeping us connected to people actually who we might normally not even reach out to. And I love that. I love seeing someone from my elementary school year show up on my – and I probably will never have a conversation with them, but I remember them. However, as we said earlier, Marnie, you know, research shows that high use of Facebook can cause depression among women. And my friends and I, are, when we're honest with each other, we're like, you know – when I saw her on that post and she was with so-and-so and they didn't invite me, you know, I really felt left out. I really felt jealous. And so it brings up that fear of missing out. And that is an awful feeling to have in the middle of your day or at your night right before you go to bed. You know, like somehow I wasn't a part of that or somehow someone's life is more exciting than mine or um, other people's lives are more beautiful than mine, whatever it might be. It's that evaluating. Maybe you even end up being better. You know, you say, oh, I'm so glad that's not me. Whatever, it's that constant evaluating. So I don't think social media outlets are evil, but it just, it's, what's happening is our hearts are responding because, you know, the heart is alive and well, and it keeps beating. And we're not really prepared to deal with what's going on in our heart with this much media and so it's as if we're fast forward relationally and nothing kills intimacy in a friendship more than, you know, having these strong emotions and feelings like comparing and jealousy or feeling left out and you're not able to work it out with the person or you're not able to just move on. So I would say that it's helped us see one another, but it's hurt us go deeper in the intimate 
relationships that we so desperately long for and need. I saw I saw a commercial the other day. I was somewhere with TV on, and I saw a commercial, and the man, the man has started a, um, an online site, and you can register your neighborhood, and then you can connect online with your neighbors so that you can get to know them. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> like the there. Now Next again, if okay. it gets you to the, if it gets you to the means to the end, right? I mean, if it gets you to come out in your yard and play, then that's awesome. <laughs> right, right. It was just kind of a funny thought about how far this has gone now, where we can't meet our neighbors unless we meet them online first. And you know, it's hmm. it's just really okay, everybody, to just keep on having face to face relationships and get together. And, mm-hmm. and sit down and talk for a couple hours and don't feel like you're using your time poorly because you're not. That's it's so really, good. It's mm-hmm. One of the most important things you will ever do is get together with your friends face-to-face and hang out, your friends and your family and just everybody loves that. Why do you think it's harder for women of the younger generation to create meaningful connections with other women? Mm-hmm. Well, on the on the one hand, some of them are actually very good at, you know, spending time with their friends. Uh, you know, my daughters are always asking, you know, I'm going to, I'll be there, I'll, I'll be back later, or, what, you know, they're always gone and with their friends. So on the one hand, I think they still have the desire. But what's happening as they're as they're getting into, like let's say they graduate from college or they're in college, um, there is definitely a, a lack of initiative on their end. They don't know how to do it. They don't know how to approach someone. When I interviewed them, they say it's because the women who are ahead of them in life appear to be super preoccupied and overwhelmed with their lives and busy. So I, I want to be careful because I want to blame because the last thing any of us women need is guilt, okay? But there's definitely a message that's being sent that says, to one generation, to the to the one beneath them, um, I've got an important life. I don't have time to stop and have you enter into my life, um, and I'm feeling overwhelmed already. So, you know, don't have a need around me. So that's mm-hmm. a message that they're hearing. They're also hearing a message that if, that says something like this: If you were to tell me who you really were and the mistakes you made, I would judge you. That's what's being perceived. That might not necessarily be true, but that's what's being perceived. So on the other hand, if I can turn the tables a little bit, when I ask um, women who are, you know, further along in life, they don't feel like there's that anyone's interested in them who's younger. So, and I would say that, so what's happening is, we're just we're sending messages, nonverbal messages back and forth, and maybe some are verbal, but we're not saying exactly what we mean and what we want. Those are really pretty scary um, lines. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know yeah. if it's across the board because I think that there obviously really are exceptions to this. I mean, we, there are some really strong families intact, but as we know, I mean, that's not – hundred percent of families so so there's definitely more of an opportunity today um, to step into someone's life and just have a conversation and just offer some encouragement and you can't imagine how far that would go for them wow 
Well, it sounds to me from listening to that that the main thing is to don't preconceive your idea of what the other person is going to think or say. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. That's right. If the young people, if the young people feel judged and the older people feel like no one cares, well, that's impassable. So somebody has to make the move and say, "I do care. I won't judge. I'm here for you. Mm. Come on, let's go out for coffee." This is Marnie Swedberg. I'm visiting today with Pamela Lau of PamelaLau.com. Go over and check that out. And don't leave, though. Don't do it until after the show. We're going to come right back and talk about five patterns women need to internalize and practice in their relationships with other women. We'll be right back. Womenspeakers.com is the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world, featuring over 1,700 women speakers from every experience level, denomination, and fee range, some near you. Visit Womenspeakers.com to find the perfect speaker for your next event or to get training to be a speaker, author, or media personality. All training and connections occur online anytime you have time. Find a speaker, add a speaker, or become a speaker at www.womenspeakers.com. Do you lead a women's Bible study or know someone who does? Check out BibleStudyExpo.com. That's www.BibleStudyExpo.com. Here you'll meet the authors of the most recently released Bible study books for women. You'll meet Liz Curtis Higgs, Lisa Bevere, Pam Farrell, Elisa Morgan, and dozens of other Bible study book authors. Each author is given 15 minutes to share the story behind her book, her ideal audience, and a little bit about the study's format so you can decide which Bible studies you want to introduce next. It's all available to you free and online at www.biblestudyexpo.com. That's www.biblestudyexpo.com. Welcome back. This is Marnie, and we're visiting today with Pamela, Pamela Harvey Lau of PamelaLau.com, L-A-U, PamelaLau.com, and we are talking about how to be a safe haven for other women. Pamela, um, you have five patterns that women need to internalize and practice in their relationships with other women. So let's go ahead and take some time to dive into those. Yes. Yeah, so what I have laid out in the book are the five patterns, as you said, um, and they go, they're really for the woman who's reading the book to um, take some time and think through them. The first one is the other side of getting to the other side of pain and suffering. Um, sometimes in our um, thinking and in our reading and being involved with other people, we might get the, the idea that suffering means something's wrong with my life. But the truth is, is that um, scripture teaches that God uses suffering to um, purify us and to to give us wisdom and understanding that God just wants more, us to have more of him in that. And so the whole point of that chapter and that pattern is get to the other, as you're getting to the other side of your pain and suffering, God gives you gold. And in that, mm-hmm. you can give that gold to other women in your life. And then the second pattern is the power, the power of healing comfort. And again, how can you comfort someone really genuinely comfort someone who's struggling, suffering, who's messed up, who um, just has a broken heart or has had a tragic loss, unless you've experienced comfort yourself. So in that chapter, I I tell part of my own story, and I talk about how, you know, when you're a young girl, whether a teenager or in your 20s, maybe even your Maybe even as an an older woman, I don't know. But we long for comfort that's genuine. And and in this pattern, I even talk a little bit about how 
sometimes we can go on someone's Facebook page and say, hey, I've been thinking about you, sorry about what's going on. And yet when you see them in person, do you, do you say the same thing from your whole heart? That's far more comforting to us as human beings. And then the third pattern is acting with understanding. And in this chapter, I'm really trying to, um, to lay out this pattern that, you know, we're so inflexible sometimes that if something came across our path in a day, we might have the thought, you know, I might not be able to, to help her until, you know, three weeks from next Tuesday. Well, that doesn't do anyone any good if, if in fact, God brought that particular need to your, to your mind that moment. Now, we're not supposed to respond to every need. We cannot. But if we're really listening to the Spirit and if, you know, we are living in that surrender to God about our days and our hours and our time, there might be a divine encounter that he wants us to pay attention to. And are we ready to act with that kind of understanding to help someone? And then the fourth pattern is knowing full forgiveness. It's probably one of the most difficult chapters um, to write in that book. And I, again, tell more of my story. Um, But in that book, in that chapter, I I talk about that forgiveness is a process. It is not a one-time thing. I have not experienced that. I don't know anyone who experienced that. But that I'm still practicing the pattern of forgiveness in my relationships, and I always will. And that God had invited me to stay long-term in a difficult relationship, and he taught me through some very humble experiences what it was to receive the gift of forgiveness for someone else. Um, and I really believe with all my heart that as as women, the more we can talk about the ways we've had to forgive one another and to forgive our painful pasts and um, to forgive grievances, we will pass along to the next generation of people, even to our own daughters and our sisters, our aunts, whatever. We will pass along the the gospel because mm-hmm. that's, that's our per- that's why Jesus came was for forgiveness of sin, and then finally my fifth pattern is relating with compassion and um, I this was another tough chapter because sometimes when we respond just from our natural place when someone is crying out for help or when something's going on our c- compassion falls short but the compassion of Christ you know comes straight from the heart of God and it is the most loving tender um, dynamic that a human being can ever experience. And so in this chapter, I talk about how before we react to circumstances, whether it's for our, even in our own life, you know, consider stepping into some time of worship first and let the Spirit of God fill you. Um, so I, I, th- these are the patterns I lay out in the first um, part of the book. So um, cool. And you know how you said on that last point, before you step in, just worship a little bit first. And that's one of the things that my husband and I and close friends and I, one one of the things that we do is if we have a difficult conversation to have, starting mm. with prayer changes everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it levels mm-hmm. the playing field. You come to Christ humbly empty with nothing to give him that he didn't already have. You know, I mean, you just don't yeah. have anything. You, have, you come, it, it just eliminates the pride. And it takes you right into his presence and in mm. others' presence with a humble heart that just knows that God's the answer and you don't have it. And mm. I just love that. Let's go back up and talk about um, the pain and suffering. I loved how you said um, it's where the gold, you know, it's where you get the yeah. gold. It is so true. It's I like I love that illustration just like the dross being, um, you know, 
purified out of the gold. And then the drops, all that, all that, those icky emotions and anger at God or whatever you have comes to the surface. And now you have a choice when it's at the surface. You can either stir it back in mm-hmm. and save it for another day. <laughs> or mm-hmm. else you can let God skim it off the top and really be done with that particular thing. Uh, yeah. Of course, like you said, with forgiveness, that's a process. More will come up. It's not necessarily the same thing. You, know, you really right. can get rid of stuff. You know, I just mm-hmm. love that picture of the gold being purified. Mm-hmm. And that really um, also, I think that's what cleans our hearts. You know, we Absolutely. need it. We we need this not just during the most difficult times, but even just in the everyday of our lives to keep that our hearts clean and pure because that is where, not because we're trying to be perfect. And, and the other, it's so interesting to think that Sometimes we don't tell our stories of suffering because we think nobody wants to hear it or we think, we rationalize. We think, A, why should I complain when my life isn't as bad as, you know, such and such and so and so. Or we say, I really don't want anyone to know that I went through that suffering. But the problem is when we don't, when we aren't honest about those stories, we can't give God glory for what he did. Mm. And that's our whole point of existing. That's a purifying process. Mm -hmm. Now, you talk about the power of healing comfort, and then step five, or process five, was um, relating with compassion. What's the difference between comfort and compassion? Well, I think that comforting someone is probably more, I would say, physical. So, for example, um, you know, sometimes the most comforting thing you can do for another human being is feed them. You know, you know, have someone into your home and make them a meal. That's a mm-hmm. very comforting experience when you fill someone's belly with good homemade food or even if you bought it at the grocery store. Just the sharing of food is a comforting experience. Putting your hand on someone when you pray for them, I don't know how, if you've, you know, you know what I mean? Have you had that when someone's laid their hands on you and they're praying for you, how comforting that is? Mm-hmm. That feels, oh, yeah. you know, and it's just, it, something touches you in the depths of your being. It's like the very cords of your heart just, you know, swell up because you've been touched. Um, So comfort, and we can comfort with our words, because what comfort does is comfort can soothe you. You know, when you think about uh, when David played for King Saul, when he played and sang for him, he brought comfort to him. So... uh, on the other hand, you, compassion, compassion means to come alongside someone and to feel what they feel, to walk in their shoes, to experience what they experience. Compassion doesn't just say, oh, I'm so sorry this happened to you. Compassion enters into the experience and says, where do we go from here? Yeah, that's really good. That's really clear how you described it there, and that does help to clarify it a little bit. Um, I want to pop back just for a minute, too, about the forgiveness, because I so agree with you that it's just, mm-hmm. I think I think the thing that people get really confused about is if they forgave somebody, but then they have a bad feeling again, oh, I guess I didn't really. But the mm-hmm. reality is you really did. You maybe yeah. really did. And you're still going to have, um, different feelings come up in different situations at different times when you're in a different physical or emotional state. All of a sudden, it's like the dross. It's like the dross in the gold again. That's um, good. Just because you took some off the top doesn't mean there's none left in there. 
<laughs> you just have yeah. to keep doing it. You know, keep getting it, getting it out. And I, I like the, I like yeah. the, the analogy is a boot camp versus torture. You know, if you go to boot camp, if you've known anybody who's been to boot camp or you've been there, that is torture. I mean, they're driving you, they're drilling you, they're, uh, they are just trying to transform you quickly into something you've never been. Mm. But it's not torture for torture's sake, it's torture so that you're prepared for the next thing in your life. And I really think that's what forgiveness is about, mm. because it feels like torture, but it's really just preparing you for the next thing, and you're going to be so happy that you did it. I mean, don't, don't you feel like everywhere you've forgiven it's a healthy place in you instead of broken still? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And yet I have to keep doing it again and again. You know, but yes, I would I would agree with that. There's a health that comes from letting go. There's a freedom that comes from letting freedom. go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And doing it again and again. I just, when you were talking about it earlier, I was thinking about any professional athlete, any professional at all in any kind of a field, they would never say, I have arrived, there's nothing better, nothing more that I could ever learn about this particular thing. Hmm. I am the peak, I am the, you know, <laughs> I'm just it. That's right. You know, in the area of forgiveness, why should it surprise us when we realize, oh, but I haven't forgiven that or I haven't forgiven in that mm-hmm. way or in this feeling or when it came up to me now after this other thing hurt me. You know, I mean, it's like different things. They're, they're mm-hmm. the same. They're the same. Mm-hmm. Maybe just bringing up the sense of unforgiveness, but it's okay just to release it and go forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe, too, God wants you to look at something else in it. If it keeps coming up, there's a reason. Right. You know, and it could be something, you know, I've experienced some really painful losses um, with women friendships over the years. And you know, when you start seeing a pattern, you might think, hmm, you know, what's my part in this too? You know, it's not just another person's fault. And that helps us stay very humble. And that helps us to admit when we're wrong. You know, that's not an easy thing to do, to put aside our pride and say, you know, I I really, I, I messed up in this one. <laughs> or, you know, it's because it's never just one way. Even, even in some of the most, difficult things, our responses to what someone did to us can be sometimes just as wrong as what they did. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And we tend to, and we tend to, especially when it seems like it was mostly their fault, we tend to want to just minimize our part down to nothing. But I, I don't know, my mother-in-law taught me years and years ago something she had been taught. And that's just, if anybody's ever really angry at you or whatever, you probably have some small part in it, even if it's very small. And so just to just to always take your part to Jesus and just say, show me, talk to me about this from mm-hmm. your perspective. How can I change mm-hmm. here? I think with forgiveness, one of the most critical reasons to keep forgiving and to keep seeking forgiveness from God is because you can't share it unless you have it. <laughs> mm, that's so good, you, yeah. If mm. you're if you're not receiving forgiveness from God from for what you've done wrong and you're not extending it to others, um, then when somebody you love needs forgiveness, you don't have any to share. There's just yeah. one there. And we don't want and to I do think, like that. And I think that's really good to bring that up because if your whole program is focused on women in leadership positions, women who are teaching the scriptures, women who are wor- working through conferences or just ministering to women. And for unforgiveness can be hidden. 
you know, we could be doing all the right things on the outward, mm-hmm. but I, but with, especially for people in leadership positions, you know, words can be said, uh, maneuvers can be made to, you know, moving someone this way or that way. That that spirit of unforgiveness can so easily be attached to us, and more than ever, we've got to keep our hearts clean from it. More than ever, mm-hmm. especially so that you can be what you're just saying, that clean vessel that can offer forgiveness to someone else and to teach it to someone else. Absolutely. Well, this is Marnie Swedberg. We're visiting today with Pamela Harvey Lau of PamelaLau.com. We're going to come back and talk about the importance of cross-generational relationships and the biggest hindrance in making them work, as well as ways to build time into your life to make friendships a priority. We'll be right back. What's your next step? Are you tired of scouring the Internet to find the training you need to take you from where you are today to where you want to be? Stop searching and start moving towards your goals with over 150 targeted training modules available to you at Marnie.com. You can learn how to speak, how to write, how to get published, how to get media coverage, and so much more, all available at Marnie.com. That's M-A-R-N-I-E.com. Are you enjoying every single bite eating with God? If not, visit www.eatingwithgod.com. That's eatingwithgod.com. Discover the easiest, most enjoyable way to move from where you are with food today to where God wants you to be in His perfect time and way. There are free daily bite recordings available to you at www.eatingwithgod.com or you can purchase the entire set of Daily Bites, 31 individual daily MP3 words of encouragement, plus the book, Gasping for Grace, 31 Daily Devotionals for Discouraged Dieters. To start moving toward your God-given ideal weight, visit www.eatingwithgod.com. That's www.eatingwithgod.com. Welcome back. This is Marnie Sledders. Our guest today, Pamela Harvey Lau, is talking with us about how to be a safe haven for other women. Pamela, let's talk about the importance of cross-generational relationships. You know, we talked about it a little earlier in the program, but this is a big, important thing, and there's there's real reasons why it isn't working. <laughs> so hmm. um, maybe just address that. Why it's not working? Well, first let me say that I um, am amazed at the research that shows us what happens, what we lose when we don't spend time with people from other um, generations, we lose a history of life, you know, no matter what which gender you are. But for um, women in particular, if we we miss out on hearing some incredible stories when you spend time with someone who's, you know, one, two, three, four decades ahead of you, they aren't any different than we are in the sense that they lived life, worked, you know, maybe they married, maybe they didn't, maybe they were famous, maybe they weren't, maybe they had children. But when you hear and see how they um, journeyed through life, it gives you a richness and a depth and insight and perspective about your own life. So that's the first thing I want to say about it, that it's a it's a gift to have it. I love, love, love my younger women friends because when, when they start just, talking about their life with me or they share something with me, it, in a sense, it just takes me back for a moment. And it reminds me of my other self, you know? So that mm. reflection is is a gift. It's like, yeah, I f- I'm so caught up in my who I am today. I forget that I was that person too. But But what is the problem? You know, what's the biggest hindrance in making them work? Well, I'd love to say that... Um, 
that we just naturally gravitate and spend time with people from, but we don't. We naturally gravitate toward people who we have similar interests with. Even church settings tend to categorize us into those, you know, we put the youth here and the children here, and um, which is good, fine. There's nothing wrong with that. It's not a bad thing. But what we, but when the church is at her most beautiful self, we're interacting with all the generations. I love watching when my um, one of my teenage daughters in particular does not love babysitting, but when she's around kids, I love to see how they make her smile. There's like a natural beauty that comes out in her. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I'm saying? And I guess that's what I, I don't think it's always about what we want. Sometimes I think when we're with people who are so different than us, different ages and have different experiences, it 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 causes us to pause and say, oh, that's that's such a, an interesting thing way to put it, you know. We don't get that enough. And I really believe this with all my heart that um, my older women friends who are like in their 70s and 80s, um, they tell me some heartbreaking stories that they so want to be involved with their daughter-in-laws and their and their grandchildren in the deeper level of life, not just be invited for holidays. They want to partake in the problems. They want to help. And they feel shut out. And that they feel lonely in that. So, we just have so much to offer. Every, every, yes. every person has so yes, much to Yes, every offer. person has so much to offer. Yeah. Yeah. I so I think about. until we, until, um, but, but let me just say something else with that, though. I, I don't think I can just be like, okay, let's all just jump in and, you know, spend all that time with those people who you're not. You know, we have to be a safe haven in order for the good of that to come about. Does that make sense? You know, right. if you if want to be involved. Laugh at them, right. If you're right. Laugh at them or minimize exactly. their experiences, then it's not going to fly. That's right. Or if you're going to be the older person who judges and says, well, if you just take my advice, you you can't do that. (laughs) Works both ways. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So, so important. And, you know, a huge factor, a huge factor is just building time in for these relationships, whether they're with peers or whether they're with people of other ages. Um, The time thing that we talked about a little bit earlier is big and I have you know I have a quote that I always say is that there's time to do everything God wants mm-hmm. us to do. So there's mm-hmm. not time to do everything, not time to do everything good, not time to do everything everybody else wants you to do, not even time to do everything you want to do. But if God is God, then there mm-hmm. must be time for us to do everything He wants us to do. So mm-hmm. talk about how we can make this happen. How can we you know, where is the time for the relationships that we've been talking about today? Oh, if I had a magic wand, I could say. But, you know, I think you're right. There is time. And there's two thoughts that come immediately when I think about this. One is I, because I know my need for different kinds of deeper relationships, I sit down on Fridays and I look at my calendar for the next week, next week or two. And I check to see, okay, how much am I working how, and then I look to see, okay, where's my appointments to just be with someone to give one-on-one time to? And I really hold myself accountable to that, as hard as it is, um, whether it's with one of my daughters or whether it's with another woman friend who is either younger or older than me or my own. I 
make sure it's in the calendar. And I don't, and I, I really have made myself be accountable to that. With I let others, you know, if I keep canceling, they can say something to me. But I don't because I need, I want it, and I need it. So that's the first thing: is we can be intentional about it. But the second thing I would say um, is, you know, I'm not sure we're being honest about as busy as we are. Yes, we're probably overcommitted. But we basically live in a culture where we can do what we want. You know, are right. we how desperate? Do you, how, how you use your time is really a reflection of what your a- priorities. Absolutely, yeah. We get to choose. We absolutely get to choose. And I can say that the people whose lives are full and rich are those who choose to invest in in relationships. It's not that they're irresponsible and they let everything go to shambles. But they are truly intentional um, about investing in people both ways, people who they need and people who might need need them and want them. Wow, that was so good. I love that. I love that. I was thinking back to an Elizabeth Elliott um, quote about uh, flexibility being Hmm. humility. That's how she defines humility. Mm, that's beautiful. That that really affected me. And I know I love how you said to get intentional. And when you said it the first time, I was thinking about the way that you get intentional about putting it on your calendar. But then the way you said it the second time, I love just as much. You said get intentional to have relationships be important to you. And that means that, okay, yeah, they're going to show up on your calendar, but you're also going to flex when the opportunity comes to break away and go be with somebody or they stop by and you stop what you're doing and you'll be with them, you know, all, you know, in God's time and way, of course, but you can't do it all the time with everybody. Obviously you just can't. No, but, but God can just show your heart where to relax, where Mm -hmm. to push, where to just hunker down and have a conversation with somebody Wow, this hour has flown by, Miss Pamela. <laughs> I can't believe it. I know. Oh, so fun and such great stuff. Well, I am so grateful for you being here today. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me about this and for yeah. um, being open. Yeah, and thank you for writing your book to you guys. Me and also her book, Soul Strength. Both of those are available from any major bookseller or online on Amazon or wherever you usually buy your books. And I hope you'll check those out. Pamela, I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you, Marty. I hope I can talk to you again sometime. Okay, thank you. And thank you all for being here. You can't have a radio show without listeners. And so we are so grateful that you come, whether you come live or to one of the syndicates or to iTunes or to the archives later. It doesn't matter. And uh, grateful that you participate in this way. And if you want to learn more about what I do, it's over at Marty.com. There's a mentorship program there that includes all of the previous trainings over the years in the seven main milestones that are covered there, as well as all that I'm doing, including my new book coming out in a couple weeks. So we'll talk to you next time. Have a great day. Have a great week. Bye-bye. 